Welcome to Beneath the Rim, covering everything that's happening in and around the NBA. You're about to hear one of our layup episodes. Quick hits of information to keep you up to date on what's happening, but short enough to squeeze in during your morning drive. Check back on Sundays for the full court episode, where host Kevin Kloss chats with the brightest minds covering the league. Now time for the show. Welcome to Beneath the Rim, your source for NBA information throughout the week. I'm your host, Kevin Kloss. Happy to be a part of the Roto Heat family of podcast networks. Roto Heat, just a great up and coming fantasy sports news and information website, whether you're looking for fantasy football information or previewing of those big major events coming up. RotoHeat.com is the place you want to go to check out everything they've got from articles and podcasts to Discord chats and Facebook Lives, RotoHeat.com has you covered. It is Wednesday, July 3rd, and we are two days in to the Salt Lake City NBA Summer League, and that's where we're going to focus a bunch of our attention this morning. But we're also going to touch on some new free agent signings. Uh, we'll start with Salt Lake City, where Tyler Hero... Some people would say he was a little overdrafted in last month's NBA draft. Shot maker from Kentucky... Puts up 18 points in his debut against the Lakers. 5 of 10 from 3. Pulls in 5 rebounds. And I think people just wanted to see, hey, he's not Nick Stauskas. And you know what we saw? He's not Nick Stauskas. Stauskas wasn't going to make shots like this. Tyler Hero is more than Nick Stauskas. He's more than a guy who's going to spot up and drain shots from the corner. He's a shot maker. Yes, he will pull up the three. We saw in that game against the Lakers a number of times. Bring the ball up the court and just bury a three as he gets to the top of the key. He's also able to put the ball on the floor, though, and score at the rim. We saw that when he was at Kentucky. Showed a little bit of that in his debut at Salt Lake City. He's also a pretty good defender. Tyler Hero needed to give us something. This doesn't mean he's going to be a scoring threat night in and night out in the NBA, and that he's necessarily going to solidify himself as that perimeter scorer, but this was a right step in the right direction on night one from Tyler Hero. Someone else who I thought really did well his opening night, Dylan Windler, you know, the sharpshooter from Belmont, I was really high on, and I know if you watch the draft, the guys on ESPN referred to Cam Johnson from North Carolina as the best shooter in the draft. And maybe it's because I think Cam Johnson was just one of the worst picks that took place on draft night. Maybe Cam Johnson's the best shooter. But for my money, give me Windler. 19 points against the Spurs on his first night. 6 of 8 from 3. 6 rebounds. And here's the thing that's really sort of stood out for me in Summer League. He's 6'8". I think I knew he was 6'8". But I'm just seeing all the rebounds and traffic that he's able to grab on a Cavs team that is very much rebuilding, could very much be moving Kevin Love in the next six months if they need a perimeter threat who can shoot the ball and get rebounds in traffic, Windler could find himself getting minutes. I think people knocked Windler a little bit for his frame and a little bit for the fact that he came from Belmont. Well, if we're going to knock him from coming from a school like Belmont, don't we absolutely have to knock Ja Morant from coming from that very same conference? I mean, Willow and Morant were basically the best two players in that conference all year long. And when I'm looking at players from smaller conferences, from smaller schools, I want to see what did you do under the bright lights playing against the big boys? 
And in the NCAA tournament, Dylan Windler, 35 points, 11 rebounds, and buries seven threes against Maryland. Yes, they end up losing that game to Maryland, but it was not because Windler did not show up. He showed up in a big way. Now, last night against the Jazz doesn't show up in quite as big of a way. Just five points. Still gets eight rebounds, though, which really speaks to that size, that length, that ability to find the basketball. And chips in five assists against the Jazz. Dylan Windler has the ability on that Cavs team that is really still searching for its identity to carve out a role early. And I think as he can continue to show some strong summer league performances here in Salt Lake City and then in Vegas starting on Friday, he could start to earn the trust of the coaches. New coach coming in there with the Cavs. He could carve out a role for himself off the bench in his rookie season. Now let's turn to the Spurs, who get talked about a lot in terms of how much longer can this possibly go. We know Pop's got a few more years there, and LaMarcus Aldridge there for a few more. DeMar DeRozan is there for at least the next year. We'll see what they do with his contract after this year is up. But what's the future going to look like on that team? And I think the first two nights of Salt Lake City gave you a glimpse of what part of that's going to look like. First night of Salt Lake City, Lonnie Walker comes in, drops 20 points and 7 boards, shooting 8 of 12 against the Cavs. It's only a summer league game, so I don't want to go overboard. But we knew Lonnie Walker was a scoring shooting guard coming out of the University of Miami. So for him to drop 20 points and 7 boards after playing hardly at all his rookie year mixed with injuries and just playing time for the Spurs to drop 20 points, that's a big step in the right direction. Didn't play on Tuesday, but on Tuesday, Keldon Johnson, the Spurs' first-round pick from Kentucky, who I had heard some really good things about leading up to draft night, has 29 points and 7 rebounds on Tuesday against Memphis. Lonnie Walker and Keldon Johnson have the ability to be those scoring combo at shooting guard and small forward for years to come if they can build the chemistry. There's a report out that Lonnie Walker is doing everything he can to help Keldon Johnson get up to speed. So the two seem to have some good chemistry early on for guys who haven't really played together yet, but to see them drop 20 and 29 respectively, both with seven boards, in the first two nights of Salt Lake City, that's a big step for the Spurs when they're thinking down the road. Arguably the brightest star, though, in Salt Lake City has been Tony Bradley. Tony Bradley is big, he's long, he's a tad raw offensively, but he's just putting up numbers in Salt Lake. Opening night against Memphis, 14 points, 15 rebounds. I caught the very end of that game, and even just catching the last quarter or so, you're just asking yourself, who is this guy? Who is Tony Bradley? I have not seen him before. I haven't seen a lot from him. But he's just dominating the paint, getting the ball on the block, really commanding the attention of the defense, and getting to the line a ton. Every couple plays, I feel like he's getting a mismatch down low. It's summer league, so take this all with a grain of salt. But he's getting that mismatch, getting fouled, finishing, and getting to the rim. Last night, there's a very good possibility that we needed to see this again on Tuesday. Maybe it was just sort of a a fluke summer league, and we weren't going to see that kind of performance again. Follows it up with a bigger night. 26-16, and he had 14 in the first half. If you watch that game between the Jazz and the Cavs, they were feeding Tony Bradley, and he was not disappointing. Now, Tony Bradley's not going to start. You know, the Jazz have Rudy Gobert. That's just not something they're going to do. These aren't two guys you can play together. And like I said, Tony Bradley is raw. But if he can turn into this consistent player down low and stay locked in and focused as a rim protector, as a rim runner, as a 
rebounding machine for the Jazz, he could easily carve himself out a nice little role coming off the bench, backing up Rudy Gobert. And if you're a Jazz team that has moves like adding Mike Connolly to play with Donovan Mitchell, bringing in Bojan Bogdanovic, keeping Joe Ingles, you need a little bit of depth off that bench. You need a cheap player who you can turn to to give you quality minutes. And it's a bit presumptuous at this point, but I think Tony Bradley could become one of those players that could chip in some quality minutes for the Utah Jazz. Now a player who just has not been so great in summer league. Let's toss one of those in there. Jordan Poole, drafted by the Golden State Warriors in the NBA draft. And when I saw it, I could just remember some of those Jordan Poole shots in college, most notably his shot over Houston in the tournament two years ago to propel Michigan to, I believe, what was the Sweet 16 at that point. Six points against the Kings. Not terrible, not great. 0 of 6 from 3. Now, the Warriors have come out and said, despite the poor shooting the first night, they like his confidence. Sure, I like his confidence too. You know what else I like? Guys who can hit shots. So, I need Jordan Poole to show me something. I like him as an athlete. I was a little surprised he was in the draft, honestly, as I believe just a sophomore when he declared. He's in the league now. He's working with the Warriors. Just the way the Warriors tend to build their teams is very top-heavy, so they don't have a ton of depth coming off the bench, a lot of depth throughout the roster. So Jordan Poole could stick. It seems like they've got some confidence in him early, and they're willing to give him a shot. So maybe just a rough outing against the Kings. Hopefully he can bounce back, but not the greatest first impression. Now let's dip our toe back into free agency for a little bit. We talked on our first episode that the Knicks were disappointing, to say the least. And they bounced back with Alfred Payton, two years, $16 million. I have two thoughts on this deal. My first thought is, what does this mean for Dennis Smith Jr.? I really like Dennis Smith Jr. out of NC State when he came out. It's been a bit of a turbulent first couple years for him. It's been questions about how he operates as an individual, how he works as a basketball player on this team. And now you add in Alfred Payton, who, if there's one thing we can say about Alfred Payton, great motor, sees the floor well, good passer, above average defender, he's just not a shooter. So on this team, he's just not going to command shots. And if he's taking shots, that's probably not good for the Knicks. But I like the contract. It's two years at $16 million. It's kind of low risk for them. And once again, the Knicks are going in on two-year deals, which means theoretically, Alfred Payton and his money off the books in 2021. Coincidentally, the same time Giannis Antetokounmpo becomes a free agent. And I'm sure the Knicks are already making their plans for how they're going to gear up for that next free agency run. Seth Curry goes to the Mavs on a four-year deal for $32 million. I really like what the Mavs are doing. The Mavs are looking to add more pieces. In the future, the Knicks have their picks. So the Mavs need to figure out a way to gain momentum without being able to build through the draft. You know, we know they inked Porzingis to that five-year deal at the start of free agency. You bring in Seth Curry. That's more shooting with Luka running the point. I like the way this team is shaping up. I think Dallas could be a contender in the West. I think the West is very much in flux. So when you see Dallas making moves like this, adding a shooter like Seth Curry, really took a step forward. And maybe he's a little overpaid. Maybe he made a lot of this money in his Warrior series where people saw the way he matched up against his brother, Steph. And maybe that's the case. That being said... Still like him in Dallas for that money. A move I really liked that people didn't seem as thrilled about, Willie Cauley-Stein to the Warriors. I love Willie Cauley-Stein. I think he could be a great defender, rebounder, and a rim runner and a rim protector. Unfortunately, he's decided to leave Sacramento because he wants to prove he can be more of a stretch big and make shots. 
I don't know that he can do those things. Here's what I do know. In Golden State, they won't allow him on the floor if he's not doing what they need him to do. So if they believe he can stretch the floor and make shots, they will let him do that and they'll put him on the floor behind Kevon Looney. Now, if he can't do those things and he tries to do those things, he just won't see the floor. I think he's disciplined enough and the staff there is going to work with him well enough that they're going to get in his head and explain to him, here are the things we need you to do for us to be successful. And hopefully he buys in. Details on this deal are not released yet. I like the move in terms of a low buy for a big... I'm not super sold on Kevon Looney. He had a nice stretch in the playoffs. I did like him when he came out of college, but he's a different player now than he was when he left UCLA. So at the very worst, I like the Willie Cauley-Stein move as a little bit of insurance. We had talked before that the Celtics desperately needed to find a center, and that was a big glaring hole for them. They found a center, Enos Cantor, two years, $10 million. You are not getting a lot of defense when you bring in Enos Cantor. Here's what you are getting. You're getting a big who can score and rebound seemingly at will. When he was getting minutes with the Knicks, and I know it's the Knicks, but when he's getting rebounds with the Knicks, he's routinely putting up 20 and 10 in Madison Square Garden. If he can even give the Celtics anything like that to take some of the pressure off Kemba Walker adjusting to a new team, off Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown feeling the weight of the new expectations with Kyrie Irving not around, if we're not sure what we're going to get from Gordon Hayward and we can lean on Enos Cantor in stretches, and that's really all the signing has to be, can they lean on Enos Cantor in stretches where they're figuring out the rest of the offense? And if they can, I think it's a great signing. Looking around the league, there's things we are still waiting for. Kawhi is still Kawhi, so we don't know where he's going. Apparently it's Toronto, or it's the Clippers, or it's the Lakers. Depending on who you listen to, and I would just caution you to think very carefully about who you listen to in terms of reporting. Depending on who you listen to, Kawhi's to the Lakers. It's a, it's a done deal. We're just waiting on the details. Depending on who you talk to, the Clippers are out, and it's between the Lakers and the Raptors. If you listen to other people, the Raptors are out, and it's between the Clippers or the Lakers. Nobody knows. I don't know. You don't know. Random guy on Twitter with undisclosed source doesn't know. Kawhi knows where he wants to go. We are going to hear from him. And when we do, we'll see how that shapes the league. If he goes to the Lakers, they're clearly a top team in the West. If he goes to the Clippers, I think they're a contending team in the West. And if he goes to Toronto, I think Toronto's a favorite to win the title again. There's some things we're waiting for too with Kawhi. Uh, The Mavs are pursuing Danny Green, who I think would just be a great move for the Mavericks. But Danny Green said, hey, I'm kind of waiting on Kawhi. So if Kawhi comes back to Toronto, uh, that leads me to believe that Danny Green's going to come back to Toronto. And so we're going to wait on Danny Green. If Kawhi goes to the Clippers or the Lakers, and then Danny Green goes to the Mavs, the West is just going to look so much different next year. So hurry up, Kawhi. We're all kind of waiting on this one. And last thing before we pack it up this morning, Jay Williams of ESPN announced on Zach Lowe's podcast, The Low Post, recently He's going to do a sit-down interview with Orlando Magic point guard Markel Fultz in the next month. He said it's going to the sit-down is going to happen about a week after free agency, so that could be happening any time now. Now, there's not details on what they're going to discuss, when it's going to be released, or how they're going to release it. The rumblings I'm hearing are this means one of two things. It's either going to be Markel Fultz coming out to get out in the open the problems that he had in Philadelphia and explain why... Whatever's holding him back from getting on the court is still an issue and something he's still struggling with. Or this is going to be him laying out what he's been through in the past and basically announcing that he's ready to go for training camp, that he's going to be ready for the season. I have no information on 
which of these it's going to be. I don't know when it's being released. I just know I want to hear it when it happens. Markel Fultz, if you watched him at Washington, was a big-time shot maker. And when we talk about, well, he can't really shoot. He's not really a three-point shooter. Go back and pull up scouting reports the year of his draft. He was basically scouted as an above-average three-point shooter, and now we say he can't shoot threes. I understand things can change, but I also understand things can also go back to the way they were before if something was established in the past. I'm super interested in Markel Fultz. I want to see, can he become even an average player? Because if he becomes even an average to above-average player, Orlando, who doesn't really have a lot of cap space to bring in anyone else, can add some wins and depth to their roster by getting a healthy Markel Fultz. So we'll wait for that. If I hear news on Jay Williams sit down with Markel Fultz, I will put it on the show. I will put that out on Twitter. Roto Heat Kevin on Twitter. You can find me there. And thanks so much for listening. Five-star reviews are always appreciated. They really help build momentum for the show as this is still just the second show that we've done. We're really looking to engage with listeners and get a little more traffic going. So wherever you listen to your podcast, if that's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show. If you've got an idea, more than happy to hear what you have in terms of an idea for the the show. want to let everyone know this coming Sunday we're going to drop an episode where I'm going to talk with Steve Popper. He is a reporter on the NBA and specifically covering the New York Knicks for Newsday. We're going to be talking R.J. Barrett. We're going to talk about free agency, losing out on Zion, losing out on Kyrie, losing out on KD. What are expectations for the Knicks moving forward? We're going to discuss all those things on Sunday's full court episode. To catch that one, make sure you subscribe wherever you grab your podcasts. Until next time, I'm Kevin Kloss. This has been Beneath the Rim. Thanks for listening. Don't miss a moment of the action. Subscribe to Beneath the Rim for automatic delivery of new episodes in Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.